There is arguably no position in all of sports more important than goaltending, and we are going to talk about who the best goalie in the world is. You're Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. I am Nick Zararis, joined by my co-host, Hunter Hodes. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. If your best bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. So today's episode, we're continuing our theme. We've been doing awards for about a month now. This is the last of the big ones, the Vesna for best goalie. And this is an award. That is voted on by the NHL general managers, which is different than the other ones we've talked about, which have been voted on by the Pro Hockey Writers Association. So we have seen from time to time goalies get uh, squeezed out or a little bit more of a, um, I don't want to say like a take care of everybody system, but they're more inclined to pass this one around to give other people a chance. Like the, the example I always give about the flawed process of this voting is that Henrik Lundqvist only has one of these. And he was probably the best goalie, if not one of the best goalies in the world for 15 years. And he only has one to show for it. So with that in mind, let's start with this big picture, this question I'm going to ask you. When you think of the state of goaltending in today's NHL, what comes to mind? I think, honestly, if you don't have at least average goaltending, if you are a contender, you're not going to go anywhere. Obviously, when I think of goaltending outside of that, there's only five to seven elite goalies in this league. When when they're on their level on their game, Nick, I think there's only five to seven elite goalies. After that, you have, I would say, a decent amount of average to good goalies. And then after that, you have the below average netminders. But you look around the NHL right now, and you know where the difference makers are usually. Andre Vasilevsky, Igor Shesterkin, Connor Hellebuck, Thatcher Demko, UC Soros. You can keep going down the list a little bit. Ilya Sorokin, but he hasn't been that good this year. But when he's on his game, I think he's a top three goalie in the league and so on and so forth. Those at least are examples of the elite of the elite usually. After that, you have some other guys. For example, Tristan Jari, I would put in that next category of average to good. Connor Ingram, I would put kind of as a hybrid because he's been awesome this year. Sergei Bobrovsky has really turned around since the last playoffs and then into this season. You can throw a couple others in there, but when I think of goaltending in the league overall right now, if you don't have average goaltending and you want to win the Stanley Cup, you're not going to get anywhere. As long as you have average goaltending, you can go pretty far. We saw it last year with Vegas, right? Aiden Hill. You don't think of that guy as an elite goalie, but he did his job and the Knights were able to win the Stanley Cup. He was then rewarded with a pretty nice contract. And I know he's only played, <clears throat> excuse me, 17 games this season, but he's been one of the best goalies in the league. Funny enough, he's really charged up these last several months to the last year. So again, you don't need that true difference maker at times if you want to win it. Obviously, it would be great if you had one, but if you can just get average goaltending, you know, 915, 920 from someone, you can go pretty far in the playoffs. League average goaltending right now is 904. And that's so, pretty, I mean, that's lower, I feel like, than compared to other years. Yeah, no, it, it's been hovering around that 900 mark right around there for the last couple of seasons. Part, 
partly because the environment's changed. We, you know, there are more power play opportunities than ever. The goalies, excuse me, the shooters are better than ever. So the environment is really working against the goaltenders here. The NHL wants scoring to be up. They have created game conditions to incentivize scoring. We we know that the baseline, the least talented player in the NHL right now is infinitely more talented than the least talented player in the NHL 10 years ago. And that's skating, that's shooting, that's just being a more well-rounded player. The way I think about goalies is very similar to the way I think about quarterbacks in football, where if you don't have one of the five, seven best ones and you're stuck paying for a lot in that next tier down, you're probably going to hamstring your ability to build a good enough team because historically speaking, the only goalie that's ever been paid a significant portion of the salary cap and that team has still won anything was Vasilevsky. And that was only the second year in Tampa because he signed an extension after the first one. But historically speaking, paying for goaltending typically doesn't work. When you look at the teams that have won in recent NHL history, I think there's a real argument that paying for that elite goalie that helps you a lot in the regular season over the long run but because the playoffs are so variable and they're so short and there's just not a lot of margin for error you can be a great goalie and just have a bad week and that's the season and vice versa you could be an average goalie and play above your weight class for a, a couple of weeks we saw it with Aiden Hill we saw it with Jordan Bennington we we've seen it 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 happens you know Cam it's the Ward most volatile position in this sport and it's not even for sure like, and that's it. it it's environment it, and it's because they're environment based similar to what we were talking about before with quarterbacks where does he need a perfect environment to be good well then that's not really a guy i want to build my team around you know can he help my team can he make my team better yes okay how much better how much is that worth and that's where you start getting into okay, would I rather have one more top nine forward or would I rather have one of the five best goalies or would I rather have like the 11th best goalie? And that's really the calculus you have to make when you're making your roster decisions. The one last question I have for you on this topic before we get to our next segment and we talk about voting. As far as this award, as far as best goalie in the league, do you think there needs to be a requisite level of team success commiserated with it? Because in my opinion, Jacob Markstrom's in this conversation because his under his he is doing a great job in a really bad environment, but more likely than not, because the Flames are going to be one of the you know eight or nine worst teams in the league, he's not going to get serious consideration for this award. Do you think team success is a part of this, or do you think that? goalie in particular if you are still a good goalie on a really bad team that's all the more impressive and the reason enough you should be in the conversation i do think if you are a good goalie on a really bad team you should still get consideration and it's funny enough nick when i was making my ballot before we started recording i actually have a goalie who is playing on a bad team right now it's not jacob markstrom but has had a all-world season he's just not getting rewarded and i'll we'll talk about that in the second segment but it's a goalie that I don't think anyone saw this level of play coming from him. And it's on a team that has tried to stay in the playoff hunt, but it's kind of fallen out a little bit. So I do think that type of goalie should get consideration, even though that team may not make the playoffs. I think when you look at this award and with how the GMs vote, I think a lot of this is based on a couple of things. A, lifetime achievement, because I think they try to do that with the goalie's like, oh, you got to give this guy his first Vesna. So then he has that for the rest of his career, right? And then two, wins. 
I think wins is the most overrated stat when you can when you look at goalies. I think that is a team stat, not a goalie stat. There are plenty of other metrics to use when evaluating goalies. Save percentage, goal state above expected, goals against average. You can look at high danger save percentage, save percentage on the penalty kill o- overall. I think those are much better to use over wins, but the general managers don't use some of those stats. They look at wins and they say, oh, okay, this, this goalie's been winning a lot, so we got to maybe give him the Vesna this year. So those are the two things that I really have just been passionate about, I think, for this award for quite some time, or at least passionate against for wins and then the other one as well. But I do think, to your to your question, goalies that are on teams that aren't in the playoffs race right now but are still playing their tail off should still get consider- some consideration. I don't think they're going to win, but they still should be you know, top five or top six in ballots or whatever. Completely agree with you. I mean, last year, textbook example, uh, Sorokin was the best goalie in the league, but yes. the Bruins were the best regular season of all time. So Olmark got the Vesna, unfortunately so. We will be right back after a quick break, and we are going to talk about who we would vote for if we had ballots. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about getting the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite food, and placing some super bets. Super Bowl Sunday is basically a holiday in America, even though it's a Sunday and people have work the next day. But pretty much that entire week, nobody's getting anything done. That Friday is an absolute joke. That Saturday is just a build up to the Sunday. It's the only day of the year I will watch the seven hours of pregame shows because I am that excited for the game. As a football head, it's the culmination of a journey. Uh, I'm very excited for this year's game. FanDuel has so many ways for you to enjoy the Super Bowl and end your season on a W. Not only can you bet on the Super Bowl itself, but you have individual props, like who will score a touchdown, yards, receptions, how many points in the game will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Want to thank everybody hanging out with us. Also want to remind everybody that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Hunter, I went first last week. The floor is yours. Give me your top five for the Vesna trophy. So for my ballot, I have Connor Hellebuck winning the Vesna. And no, I, it's not just because he's number one in basically every category among goalies this year. I think he has been tremendous all year. And he's also been getting help from the Jets this year as well. This isn't just Connor Hellebuck carrying the corpses of the Winnipeg Jets in the playoffs. It's Connor Hellebuck playing his tail off, yes, but he's also been getting help from both the forwards and defense. But if you want to dive into the numbers this year, Connor Hellebuck saving 22 goals above expected. He has a 924 save percentage and a 2.20 goals against average. He has been fantastic for the Jets. And dare I say it, 
This team is going to be a very tough out in April and May and potentially even June if they get to the final. I can't believe I'm saying that because I didn't think this team was going to make the playoffs at the start of this season, but he has been phenomenal for the Jets. And, you know, he's been a top five goalie for the last several years now. I think it's past time that he starts fully getting his flowers from a lot more people in the hockey community. Number two, I have Thatcher Demko. The Vancouver Canucks, yes, I know they have a high PDO. They're riding a high shooting percentage, and they're also getting great goaltending from Demko, which is why I have him number two on this list. Demko last year, he was involved in some, in some trade rumors, but Vancouver was like, you know what? No, he's been banged up. That's why he hasn't been playing well. We're going to see how he does the next year, and they have been fully rewarded. 18 goals saved above expected for Demko, 920 save percentage, 2.44 goals against average. He has been unbelievable in net for the Canucks this year. Another major reason why the Canucks are one of the best teams in the Western Conference and one of the best teams in the league, and they just got Elias Lindholm from the Calgary Flames. So they're all in. I mean, this is probably the, the Canucks' best chance at a Stanley Cup in over a decade at this point. So they're pushing their chips all in for this year. Three through five, I was kind of going back and forth on. I would have my other finalist, Connor Ingram of the Arizona Coyotes. I know the Coyotes might not make the playoffs, but Nick, he has just burst onto the scene this year and has been phenomenal for the Yotes. 14.5 goals saved above expected, 916 save percentage. Again, I know Arizona might not get in, but he's doing everything in his power to drag this team into the playoffs as well as the young talent that they have. He's been such a great story this year. Number four, I have Jeremy Swayman. I know the Bruins have that two-headed monster in goal. And while Linus Allmark isn't playing as well as he did last year, Swayman is playing just as well as he did last year, if not better. I know that also the Bruins are not having that historic season like they did last year, but he is still playing like one of the best goaltenders in the league. The fact that they have that duo as their two goaltenders is not fair. <laughs> in my opinion. No, it's a real luxury to have yes. two goalies that are both starter caliber. That happens, you know, once every couple of years where a team – signs or already has an established veteran and then some young guy they have in the system comes up and kind of forces their hand. That's very rare, but it does happen from time to time. Right. No, I, I hear you. And then my final spot on my ballot, I was going back and forth on these two, but I'm going to go with Charlie Lindgren of the Washington Capitals. That might be a hot take to some people listening to or watching this show. And I know the Capitals are not good this year. Alex Ovechkin has kind of fallen off a cliff, which is Unfortunately, because I actually do want him to break Gretzky's goal record, and they've obviously lost Backstrom for the rest of the year. They've been banged up, but they also just don't have a lot of forwards who move the needle. But Charlie Lindgren has been doing everything in his power to try and drag this team into the playoffs. And he's not on the Lockton NHL Vesna Trophy candidates power rankings. He's not in the top 10. But in my opinion, you know, he's made a really strong case that he should be on there this year. He's eighth in goal state above expected with 10, 916 save percentage. This was someone who was a pretty decent backup last year. I didn't think he would be one of the best starters in the league this year. He's also been a really good story. If I had to have maybe a 5B, I'd go Alex Lyon of the Detroit Red Wings. They're finally fully in a playoff race for the first time in years. I think there's a good chance that they get in at the end of this year, and he's been awesome, especially after the success he had last year, Nick, in Florida, where he was, I think, down the stretch, the main reason why the Panthers got in. He's now carrying that over to his play now with the Red Wings. So my top five, again, Connor Hellebuck, Thatcher Demko, Connor Ingram, Jeremy Swayman, Charlie Lindgren with maybe a, you know, I guess we'll talk about others for consideration after this. Alex Lyon would be right there in that one. So being that we all, we have four of the same five, the only difference I have is I have Jacob Markstrom in the Charlie Lindgren spot. I, I think the point I want to hit on here while we have a few minutes to talk, 
I think we I think we underestimate the value of having a good environment around a goalie. A lot of people will put it on the goalie and say, well, if you're good, you're supposed to make that save. I think the other end of that spectrum is the fact that look at the difference between Demko this year and last year and how much better of an environment he's in. That's not to say he's riding the coattails of a good environment and he's not having to work as hard. He's still playing at a high level. He's flashed this level before. When they went to the second round in the bubble, what was that, four years ago now, he was outstanding. He was one of the driving forces of that Canucks playoff. He was the only reason, Nick, why that series went seven games against Vegas. Yes. Yeah, he dragged them along. He's an outstanding player. The thing that I think something in regards to both Demko and Hellebuck that rings true here, and to the Bruins to a lesser extent, but when you have an elite goaltender and then you play elite defense in front of them, especially in the case of Winnipeg, you are raising the ceiling of what a great goalie can already do. Because when they know they don't have to be perfect, they're a little more at ease, they're a little more comfortable, all of those little things. We all talk about how weird goalies are, how they're quirky, how they really need to be in a rhythm to be effective. Part of that is knowing, okay, if I make a mistake, my guys can pick me up. You see it in other places. You mentioned before, you would say, well, Vasilevsky, Sorokin, Shesterkin, all three of those guys are having really rough seasons right now when you look at the goal saved above expected and the other statistics. Part of that is because those guys all put an enormous burden on themselves where if they're not playing great, they feel like they're letting their team down and it starts a vicious cycle that keeps us self-sustaining. So and we could talk about same exact thing in regards to Markstrom. Last year, he could not get out of his own way. He couldn't save a beach ball. His save percentage was like 892 last year. I know his save percentage is like 899 right now, but the goal saved above expected is like a 17, 18 swing into the positive from last year. So environment matters. You want your goalie to be in a position where they have a little bit of room for error because that's going to bring the best out of their game. When they're playing loose, when they're not worried, when they're not afraid to make a mistake, that's when a goalie's typically at their best. Sure, there are outliers. There are guys who like to breathe fire, who are hyper intense lunatics the patrick laws the henrik lundquist who need to be screaming at the top of their lungs locked in but for the most part the way i've always looked at the position is how a goalie responds to adversity if you're relaxed you're even keel you're not going to spiral that's a good place to be and when you're on a team that plays great defense like the jets or if you're on a team like the Canucks that's been winning a lot of games, getting out to leads early, the Canucks have led in games 150 more minutes than any other team in the NHL this season. When you're playing with a lead, your defense is going to be a little bit more tight. They're going to be a little bit better at playing defense. That's going to make the goalie's job a little bit easier because even if they make a mistake, it's still a tie game. We've got room here. So there, it's not just is your goalie good. What can we do to make our goalie's life easier? Because generally speaking, that's going to get more, that's going to get better results out of a great goalie if you put them in a better environment. And we will talk about more goaltending ideas and um, who else should be in this conversation in a second. So as we continue this goaltending conversation about some of the other guys and maybe some ideas here, I think I agree with you for sure. Charlie Lindgren, great story. Uh, somebody who'd never really gotten extensive run in the NHL before. Really strong start. Uh, the first four months of the season, if we did this in like early December, I would have said Cam Talbot deserved to be in this conversation because he got off to a great start. He's come back down to earth since early December, but he's in the conversation. 
Ingram has been outstanding. Joey Decord has really interesting micro stats. Like he's the best goalie in the league in medium danger save percentage, which like that's not that important, but the fact that he's been decent and one of the reasons the Kraken are kind of in the mix again, that's a good story. You mentioned Bobrovsky, Alex Lyon, uh, Jacob Markstrom. I'm sure there will be at least one general manager who votes for Stuart Skinner just based on the fact he came back from goalie purgatory and one of the reasons the oilers rattled off 14 in a row somebody will give him a vote someone will give him a vote somebody gave dan girardi a norris vote somebody will give somebody will give stewart skinner a vesna vote this year i'm very confident of that oh i don't doubt it either i I was just saying i don't think he should be in the top 10 for our power rankings list for the for the vesna i mean the oilers obviously have the new head coach bump going at a full steam right now and then Connor mcdavid leon drysaddle and company are just playing at a ridiculous level and they have a chance to tie the nhl's longest winning streak after the all-star break but i mean you look at this list here i don't have too many problems with it overall nick i mean we already have set our ballots i would move skinner off for someone like tristan jari i think tristan jari is not getting enough recognition for what he's done with the penguins this year he had a really rough stretch to start the season but after that he's been one of the better goalies in the league is actually playing up to the cap pit that he has over five million because you know I w- I was kind of skeptical about the deal when it was signed in the offseason. I still kind of am long term, but he has been mostly very good this season. I would also put Charlie Lindgren in here a little bit. I would actually move Joey Decor down a little bit and put Charlie Lindgren in the top five. Would move Skinner out for someone like Tristan Jari. I mean Bobrovsky, you can argue to move him down a little bit, but also. I mean, I think he's also been pretty good. But I think the other one that really should get out of this list, in my opinion, is Ilya Sorokin. I don't yeah. think Ilya Sorokin has even been the best goalie on his own team this year. I think Semyon Varlamov has outplayed Sorokin this year, and I can't even believe I'm saying that. I think when Sorokin is on his game, he's one of the three best goalies in the league. But I also think you were talking about this in the second segment. I think there's a lot of pressure on him to perform every night because, let's face it, these are not the Barry Trotz New York Islanders anymore. They do not play that good of team defense as they used to a couple of seasons ago when Sorokin was really getting his feet wet in the NHL. Yes, Sorokin was outstanding last year on a Lane Lambert team that still didn't play that good of defense, but he was still ridiculously good. But now when they opened it up a little bit more this year, he's kind of gone down a little just because he's not getting enough help in front of them. So I think with that, I would move Sorokin off the list as well as Skinner, move someone like Jari or Charlie Lindgren in there. I think the rest of the list for the most part is fine. Again, you can argue moving Bobrovsky down for someone like, I don't know, Alex Lyon or maybe Markstrom, but that's like splitting hairs. Overall, though, most of this list is totally fine. I know he doesn't have the sample size. Aiden Hill's only played 17 games this year, Nick. I think if he had played more games with the save percentage that he has, he would be definitely on this list. I think if I was trying to construct a roster from scratch and I had the flexibility, I would be more inclined to look in that middle tier of goalie and say, is this guy good? I think that's all you need. I think if you put a good goalie on a good enough team, I think they can feed off of each other and really elevate each other. Kind of what happened with Aiden Hill last year. We talked about it in the first segment, Bennington, Cam Ward, these goalies who get hot at the right time on a good team and able to really find a rhythm and play above their means for a little while. I think in today's NHL, which is so heavily influenced by offense and scoring that paying for a goalie, a, 
it's just risky because goaltending is so high variance. I mean, Bobrovsky was great in the playoffs last year, but I mean, the year before he was benched for a teenager. Like people forget Spencer Knight got into NHL games as a 19 year old because Bobrovsky was so bad. And the only reason he was still on the team last year was because they couldn't possibly get rid of that contract. It's kind of like your quarterback. I'd only pay the elite of the elite goalies in this league. And you made a point way earlier in the show about, you know, how paying goalies is also risky as well. I didn't get to mention this, but Carey Price, he was one of the best in the league for quite some time. They gave him a boatload of money, but I don't think the Canadians had the team around him to really go far in the playoffs. I, I think that's what was missing. I know Price was tremendous and I know his body broke down a little bit after that at times, but I, 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 overall, I agree with you. I would really only do it for what, four, five, six goalies in the league. And that's honestly even steep for me at times. There's not many that I would give superstar money to. It's only a select few. I agree with you there. The one additional caveat I will add on to that, this idea of comparing it to the quarterbacks. I think teams in hockey are a little bit more inclined to ride the goalie carousel than quarterback than NFL teams are to ride the quarterback carousel because there just aren't a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFL. So if you have, you know, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, somebody in that middle tier, you don't want to lose them because if you go to the bottom end of that barrel and you're starting, you know, the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world, your margin for ever, every, every week is a lot smaller. And it, in the regular season, the magic eraser idea is very useful over the long course of an entire season where over the course of 82 games, 55-ish starts, your goalie, if they're good more than not, will be able to make a difference most nights. But in football, the season being so short, I think teams are a lot more inclined to overpay for that middle-tier quarterback. I mean, like Dak's going to be one of the five highest-paid quarterbacks in the league next year. Kyler Murray's got a really high cap hit, even though I don't think anybody would consider him a top-five quarterback. So that's the difference, really, is that hockey teams are a little bit more inclined to roll the dice. I mean, look how many teams guys like Cam Talbot have been on, guys like David Riddich, Matt Murray, Freddie Anderson, like good goalies had prolonged periods of success in places, but still moved on. Still Samsonov, Vanacek, guys who were pretty good in their initial place, but teams are like, we can probably save money there and get, you know, 85, 90% of what that guy gave us. And it's more important we have one more roster player. Whereas in football, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't take the drop off from like Kirk Cousins to Derek Carr to bring in a number three wide receiver. You wouldn't do that. Right. And just to build off that a little bit, I understand what you're saying because look how many teams need goalies at the trade deadline coming up, Nick. And the how NFL, many there are. Yeah, I mean, in the NFL, you don't really have teams, what, trading for quarterbacks at their trade deadline. And honestly, I know the NFL's trade deadline is also not good, but they're usually set with their roster at the beginning of the season, especially at quarterback. Now, with NHL teams, with how much longer the season is, they can get just a bigger sample size to see, okay, this guy's not playing good enough for us. We're going to go out into the trade market and see what we can do. And that's why right now you have a good chunk of teams with about what, five weeks until the trade deadline that need to go out and get a goalie. For example, the New Jersey devils, they have been crushed by goaltending this year. They're one of the teams that I think could go out and get a goalie. And another thing about this goaltending conversation talked about, you know, paying the elite is a risky, you know, what's also risky Paying mediocre goalies, you know, 4.55 million. You saw the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Corpusalo, 
They gave him a boatload of money. He's been bad. And that's an organization that has not been able to figure out the goaltending position for quite a long time. I mean, you, if that, that is, I think, just as risky, honestly, as paying top dollar to the elite guys because you don't know, you know, potentially when that top goalie is going to fall off for a season. For example, like, you know, with Sergei Bobrovsky, he was terrible a couple of seasons ago, had a really good playoffs and is playing well this year. But this position, as I said to start the show, it's so volatile. You just don't know what to expect from most of these goalies outside of a select few. Yeah. And that's what you're paying for when you're paying for the elite goalie is the consistency. That's right. really the difference between the high-end guys, the Hellebucks, the Vasilevskis, and, you know, the middle tier of guys. Because, like, Tristan Yari is pretty good. I wouldn't say he's great, but he's pretty good. He's not overly expensive, but would I pay an extra, like, $3 million for the Connor Hellebuck over the Tristan Yari. Yeah, I would because the consistency is that. It's in that second out. tier, which is fine. Yeah. Back where he is yeah no, it absolutely is fine. Yari, Yari is not the problem with the Penguins, but that'll be a, that's a subject for another episode when we actually talk about the teams and the power rankings themselves. That will just about do it for this week's edition of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts or over on YouTube if that's more your thing. We will be back next week. See you guys then.